This is the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey News Prospect Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. That's Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Doing awesome because we're talking about prospects. I realize every time I point at you, you're not where I'm pointing. I'm pointing on my screen, but in the actual video, you're going to be beside me. So that doesn't there exactly work. But yes, we're talking about prospects. And obviously this is a, a time uh, in the prospect world. We're thinking about the humble Broncos and everything that happened a couple of years ago. I know it was a really, really tough day. I remember hearing it was at a, an award ceremony for uh, the Ryerson University. And I just read about it. And it's like that just kind of ruined the night. And it's like players that we've watched, covered, few of them played in the uh, – up in Mississauga a couple of weeks before that. So it was uh, just a, a weird time. It certainly was. And, and I remember when I first heard about the crash, I was actually coming back from an OHL game in Kitchener. I think it was a playoff game. And the weird thing was, you know, it was a nice day, but by the night uh, it had snowed and the roads had become very icy and I was driving back to Toronto and I remember like there was one ramp that I took that was a little touch and go and it kind of freaked me out and then listening to the radio they were saying hey you know there's been this uh this bus crash in Saskatchewan and when I think about it you know there's just so much driving involved in hockey um and in Canada obviously you know we have the inclement weather um, I, I think, you know, that's why it resonated so much with Canadians in particular, because hockey is such a cultural touchstone um, and, and the community is so large, you know, so many of us have, have been on those, uh, those roads at night. And I think, you know, that's why that, um, that tragedy in particular has, has still resonated with us today. A couple of days prior to that, I went to my, on my first road trip with the North York Rangers back when I used to work with them. And just like, again, when you see how fun it is for a team to be on a road trip like that and, and how close everyone gets, it's like, it, it hit, it hit home, I think for every junior hockey player when they saw it happen. And obviously mentioned how big hockey is in Canada and everything that, that was something that we'll never forget. And it was an unfortunate uh, thing, but it's great to see a lot of the players have been able to move on and do some other things in hockey and other things in life. So it's uh, good to see that, Mm -hmm. but let's, let's change gears. Let's talk about something fun prospects. And we're going to start off with three prospects catching your eye. So who are they this week? Okay. So number one, Jackson Blake, Um, the Minnesota high school tournament. It's so fun. I love it every year. And uh, this year, the Eden Prairie Eagles won. They had a stacked squad. So yeah, Jackson Blake, who's up in the 2021 draft. Luke Middlestad, who's also up in the 2021 draft. And then uh, Mason Langbrunner, who was actually already drafted by the Boston Bruins. So obviously, they were a favorite. uh, But it was a tough final. Um, But the thing about Jackson Blake, who has also played for the USHL's Chicago Steel this year, is he was just dialed in and it's uh the son of jason blake the former nhler jackson blake had points on the final eight goals of eden prairie season so every goal in the semifinal and every goal in the final jackson blake was in on you know he's not a big player but he's feisty he'll go to the dirty areas 
And, you know, at the Minnesota high school level, he kind of has a bit of free reign because he's, he's so creative and he's so offensively gifted, but, you know, he did, he's, he's been doing very well in the, in the USHL as well, even though Chicago is such a loaded team, you know, ice time is kind of at a premium and we'll talk about some steel players later on. I know in this podcast, uh, but Blake one to watch. I think he certainly helped his draft stock, maybe bumped himself up a round or two and he's a North Dakota commit. So, you know, for teams looking at his development path, he's going from an elite USHL program to an elite college program. And that checks a couple of boxes. I mean, scouts do think about those sort of things. Um, You know, sticking with the NCAA track, the next one I'm going to talk about is Matthew Nyes from the Tri-City Storm of the USHL. This is a player that has been on the radar all year because he got invited to Team USA's Summer World Junior Camp. Uh, didn't end up making the squad, but there was a lot of hype around him. You know, there was even talk that he might go to the University of Minnesota this season because uh, he is a late birthday. He decided to stay in the USHL and he was really snake bitten for the first half of the year. And, you know, just watching, you could tell he was getting frustrated. But recently, Watching him play for the Storm, he has looked like a completely different player. Ten points in his past four games. You know, he's playing really physical. He's just, he just seems to be all over the ice in, in the best sense of the word. And it really seems like he's got his confidence back. So, you know, heading into that BioSteel All-American game, which we'll talk about in a bit, I think Nice has put himself in a perfect position. And it's, it's good to see him getting rewarded because I know that the first half was very frustrating for him. Finally, head over to the NEHL and Owen Bartoskevich, who is a goaltender that, you know, we've talked about uh, in the past this year. He was the South Division Player of the Week this year uh, for the Wichita Falls Warriors. He's got a 918 save percentage, four shutouts in 28 appearances this year. And keep in mind, the Warriors are an expansion team. This is their first year in the league, so not easy for a young goaltender to come in and help his team the way he has. But I know Wichita Falls has been very happy with Bartoskevich. And uh, as of now, he's uncommitted uh, for college. Uh, I know that, you know, when I spoke to him for a blog earlier in the, this year, you know, he's still considering his options. And given all the player movement in the NCAA right now with the transfer portal, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a bit more time just to see where everybody else lands. Like for example, Jared Moe, the Winnipeg Jets pick uh, just moved from Minnesota to Wisconsin. And we, you know, Matt Galagio went from Cornell to Notre Dame. You know, we've seen a whole bunch of guys move. Uh, so it's a very interesting time, but I think Bartoskevich has a, a very bright future and I would expect him uh, to be sort of a, a middle to late round pick in 2021 because I know scouts have been very excited and trying to find a way to watch him in person uh, since travel has been kind of difficult this year, obviously. Yeah, and uh, hopefully it gets a little easier for the next draft class. Now, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Team Canada because we now know their roster for the U18 World Championship. And uh, in the past, we've been able to see a training camp of sorts in the Toronto area. Obviously not really possible this year. Um, A tough team to choose because of the fact a lot of these guys haven't played a lot. Some of these guys haven't played at all. But first impression, so Shane Wright and Connor Bedard on the same team. Wow, we may not get to see a lot of that in the future. I'm assuming we'll see them at the World Juniors together next year. But this is a situation where we got two really, really 
darn good players, two potential first overall picks in, in different drafts, not even this year's draft, playing on the same team. But um, for starters, before we talk about those guys, what are your thoughts of this roster? Is this one where we're looking at and thinking this team could go all the way? Because we're used to them not having a lot of good players available to them because of the CHL playoffs. This time, mm-hmm. you, you pretty much got the best of the best minus the QMJHL players. I think this is one of the most impressive rosters we'll ever see. And, you know, you're right, because the OHL and the WHL have allowed all their players to go, um, it's, it's, a, it's a better crop than usual because usually most of the best players are still in the CHL playoffs. We won't see any Quebec League players because they're trying to continue their schedule as, as normal as possible. But, I mean, you look at the names that are going to be there. Dylan Gunther, Brant Clark. Cole Sillinger, Mason McTavish, Corson Kuhlman, Carson Lambos, those are all guaranteed first rounders. And then you have a bunch of guys that could also be either first rounders or early second rounders as well. You know, like Brendan Offman's going to be there. And, um, you know, like Brett Harrison's going to be there. Guillaume Richard, who was coming over from the USHL, uh, he's going to be there. In net, you got Benjamin Gaudreau from Sarnia, Tyler Brendan from the WHL, who's all already off to a solid start there. So you look at that core of guys and it's just, they've, they've rarely had a group like that. And it's funny, the last time Canada won gold at the U18s was in 2013. And Connor McDavid was on the team because that was his first year with the Erie Otters and they hadn't rebuilt yet. You know, McDavid was the centerpiece. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs. So McDavid was available. And then just through, you know, coincidence of the teams they played on, that team also had Josh Morrissey, Sam Bennett, Shea Theodore, Sam Reinhart, and Carter Verhage, who's having a breakout year now. So that was a pretty good squad. Um, but not all those guys were necessarily high draft picks. I just think that you look at this Canadian team and the high-end talent they have, I mean, just think about the power play that they could trot out, you know, Brant Clark, Dylan Gunther, you know, Shane Wright, Connor Bedard, and, you know, Mason McTavish, that could be your number one power play unit. Like they could go a hundred percent on the power play. Like that's Mm -hmm. a pretty unstoppable (laughs) mix of players. And then what I also think is interesting is just things shake out for some of the other teams, you know, team USA, the Americans are always one of the favorites because they send the NTDP this year's crop is pretty good but they don't have a lot of game breakers you know like Chaz Lucius would be the one kind of surefire you know potential top 10 guy on that team and then you get a couple of guys that are kind of in that 25 to 40 range like Sasa Pasajoff and Dylan Duke Um, but I don't know if they have the high-end talent to compete especially because Luke Hughes is going to miss the tournament due to injury and then you, you look over at Sweden Sweden's gonna be very good but their best goaltender Jesper Wallstedt is a 2002 late birthday. So he's not eligible. So it's, it's going to be a very interesting tournament and it's going to be fun to see just how well Canada can do in this very unique situation. And the one thing I love is that we are going to see a kind of a bit of a, a Domino's Flyers reunion. when he got Brent Clark going out there, passing to Shane, Wright Like the, the old days and Brennan Ottman, Hey, and Shane Wright, like they, they did not miss often together. And when you, if you go, if you can get those three guys on a power play, 
we saw what they could do with Dom Mills. I'd love to see what they could do at this point in the juncture. And uh, yeah, like even a couple of guys you didn't mention, I don't think you mentioned Ryan Winterton, who's just like another really solid guy where who's, if he's followed out further down the lineup, wow, that's a pretty deep lineup you got there. And um, I really like Ethan Del Mastro. I think he's a really solid player. Uh, Francesco Pinelli, sure. he showed a bit over in Europe. So this team just has depth. It's not a concern of this group. And if you're a team candidate right now, you, we, we are going to do a preview at some point in this tournament, but this is one where like, I, I, if it's not gold, it's, it's gotta be silver. Cause this group has just got so much talent and you know, at the goaltending is fine. There's no like massive standout there. Um, but I, I think this is still one where you just look at it and say, there's just not a lot of weaknesses. They've got kind of just really strong uh, depth and uh, the goalies uh, from, it seems like Gujo might be the number one guy. He's got the most potential, but at the same time, he hasn't really played at all. Tyler Brennan, I think, yeah. uh, I really like what he's going to do. He's just kind of sitting there in Prince George right now. But, uh, yeah, this is just – I don't know what else to say other than it's just kind of like you, you, you kind of almost have to expect gold with this lineup. Yeah, and what I like about the lineup is that it's not one-dimensional. They have all sorts of different players. You know, you look at the blue line alone – and you say, okay, who is your, you know, offensive defenseman that can, you know, play on the power play? Well, it's obvious, obviously Brant Clark. And then you say, okay, well, who are your shutdown guys who can keep other teams honest and play physical? Well, it's Nolan Allen and Corson Kuhlemans for sure. And then, you know, Ethan Del Mastro, he can play physical as well. And if you need somebody to move the puck behind Brant Clark, you have Guillaume Richard. Uh, and then you have Olin Zellweger as well from Everett. Uh, who has offensive capabilities. So you have a lot of different looks there. And then of course, you know, with the offense, Connor Bedard leads the WHL in scoring and he has been a one man show for Regina. Now he has people to play with. And the second leading scorer in the WHL is Dylan Gunther. So, you know, you've got all these great options. Shane Wright, who was in the mix for the world junior team, you know, he's so solid down the middle and he's so talented. And, you know, you saw what, he did in Kingston last year, elevating the games of his line mates, Zade Wisdom and Martin Kromiak. Again, you put him with other talented players. You put him back with Brendan Offman, as you mentioned from their, their days with the Don Mills Flyers U16 team. I mean, you just have so many fun combinations that you can put together here. And I will say the one thing I'm hoping for is a Canada-US game where those Don Mills Flyers play Roman Schmidt, who was also on that oh, Don yeah. Mills team, but plays for Team USA. So a lot of fun little subplots going on there. All right, moving on to the United States. The top prospects game, the BioSteel top prospects game is happening tonight. So if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, you probably know what happened and all this stuff. But um, let's just talk about a couple of guys to watch. And this is a, a format that I like. It's basically the U.S. National Development Team program without Luke Hughes versus the rest of the the best players in the USHL. So it's, it's a pretty good mix of players. And for, for American hockey fans, this is some of your best junior prospects. Uh, so it's a really good opportunity um, to, to show off what you could do. So who are some of the players people should watch out for on this team? Yeah, I think this is going to be a very fun game. There's a lot of talent here. I'll start with Team USHL. Uh, Cole Sillinger, a friend of the podcast. He was a, a past guest of ours. He'll be there. 
Um, and he has been really good for the Sioux Falls Stampede. Uh, he nor normally would have been playing in Medicine Hat in the WHL, but he spent the season in Sioux Falls. Uh, and then the Chicago Steel, you know, we, we mentioned Jason Blake earlier. He's not in this game, but a lot of his teammates are. And, you know, the, the two I'll mention here, uh, Mackie Samuskevich and Matt Coronado. Uh, Coronado in particular has just been a monster, uh, you know, one of the top scorers in the league all year and uh, just a strong kid. And he has been basically unstoppable. Sam Miskevich uh, has missed some time due to injury. Hasn't put up as many points, but uh, has some very good skills. And, um, you know, he can really kind of move the puck around. He's been a good one to watch. I'll also mention uh, Tristan Bros from Fargo. Uh, it's funny, you know, some scouts really like him. Some scouts are a little iffy about his play away from the puck, but uh, he's been a great scorer for the force, so this is a great opportunity for him. And then Jack Peart, uh, who uh, has returned from the Minnesota high school ranks. His Grand Rapids team did not make the tournament. They were upset in the regionals, so that was too bad. Uh, but he also plays for Fargo in the USHL, and he was one of the top USHL prospects early on this year. Just a great, you know, offensively inclined defenseman and uh, a ton of you know, potential in this young man. So he's going to be fun to watch in this format. Um, and then going over to Team USA, I mean, the NTDP always has a ton of prospects, but this is a, it's a really good year in terms of depth. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's not a ton of high end right now, but it's the type of team where I could see like 14 or 15 of them getting drafted, even if, you know, a, a few of them are in the later rounds. Um, Chaz Lucius, as I mentioned before, he's their best offensive player. Um, he's a center. He is just an incredible goal scorer. He knows where to go. He's got a wicked shot and he's been on fire. He missed most of the year, uh, due to injury, but since he's come back, he has been absolute lightning. And if I'm Luke correct, if I'm correct, show, he has, he has played a bit of wing though recently, if I'm correct. So he's actually been playing okay, on a switch in between. There you go. Yeah, they, they can mix it around. Um, yeah, he, he gives you that versatility. And then, you know, with Luke, Luke Hughes injured on the, on the back end, gives a bit of more chance of a spotlight for some other guys. Sean Behrens, uh, who's been fantastic all year, um, you know, slightly undersized, but just does so much out there. Um, often played with Luke Hughes and really kind of opened the game up for Hughes, who obviously is a tremendous skater. Um, Barron's has a lot of great qualities to his game. And then I think Aiden Hershuk, who is a Boston College commit, this is a really good opportunity for him because he got off to a bit of a slow start. Scouts were a bit unsure. You know, he came in with some hype and didn't live up to it, but he's been playing better as the season has progressed. So I feel like, you know, with this platform, he could really sort of solidify his draft stock. Uh, a couple more players I'll mention. Roman Schmidt, uh, who we talked about a bit earlier, just a big uh, two-way defenseman for Team USA. Bit of a different look from Barons and, er and Hershuk, um, but definitely a, a guy that you're going to look for kind of early in the second round, most likely in this draft. And then finally, I'll mention Liam Gilmartin. This is just a player that kind of a personal favorite of mine, Providence College commit, north-south guy. He can kill penalties. He can score nice goals. He's that guy that you can kind of fit anywhere in your lineup, and he feels like just a really useful jack-of-all-trades player. You know, Team USA has a couple of guys like that, uh, you know, Red Savage and, and 
Justin Janicki or, or two others. But uh, I think Gil Martin is one to really watch because he's just the type of kid that no matter what kind of game you're playing, he can contribute. So those are, those are my top end picks in, in what's going to be a very deep game. Yeah, and it's always a fun one to watch. I'm not actually sure how you can watch it in Canada. I haven't actually looked into that for anyone outside of the United States. But um, yeah, this is going to be a, it's always a fun game because it's competitive. You know, a lot of times you see some showcase games where it's totally just a gong show, but uh, this never seems to be one of those. It's always a fun time and uh, some definitely some good players. The goalie situation is kind of like nothing too exciting there on the goalie side. Like Gibson Homer, I, I like, but he's, he's a 2022 draft prospect. Uh, I believe he's born December. So he's, he's a later pick, but uh, Colin Purcell believes in this game too. And he's uh, someone who uh, I, I thought may have got a look last year in the draft. He didn't get picked over. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But again, it's, and then these showcase tournaments or showcase games, it's like, it's high scoring often. It's like, you need to be like outstanding to really stand out if you're a goalie, because it's yeah. like, yeah, the, the fourth line you're playing is like a first line in any USHL team type thing. Like it's kind of just yeah. the way it is, but let, let's stay in the United States. Let's talk a bit about the Minnesota high school tournament. This is one that's always so much fun to watch because not only is the hair amazing, but it's like in a normal year, they got that place full. It's like, it's such a big deal. And it's like, it feels like what the Mighty Ducks movies are trying to emulate uh, or tried to emulate back in the days where it's like, hey, we got a bunch of kids and we're selling out like the Minnesota North Stars arena. How in the world are we doing that? I don't know. It's like, or actually I think it was the Anaheim Ducks arena in the second movie, but it's such a fun atmosphere. The hockey is really good. And high school hockey, if you're from Canada, you don't get the same feeling you get in a place like Minnesota. It's a big deal. But yeah. going off of that, who were some of the guys that you liked? Well, you know, starting with the champs, Eden Prairie, I was very impressed with uh, obviously Jackson Blake, who we talked about off the top, uh, but Luke Middlestad as well. You know, um, you know, Casey's youngest brother, He's a defenseman, and I thought he was very dominant. You know, he started the year in Lincoln in the USHL, and I thought he was, like, okay. Um, but scouts um, scouts like him, and, and, and they didn't think that, you know, his lack of production with the Lincoln Stars was, was anything to worry about. Obviously, his production with Eden Prayer was very good. And, you know, he's the type of player that can take the puck all the way up the ice and I thought he did a very good job at both ends for Eden Prairie. Um, you know, the Minnesota high school game, they play 17 minute periods. So your top end players can play a lot of hockey. And, you know, for Eden Prairie, Middlestat and Langenbrunner, one or both of them was almost always on the ice uh, for the Eagles, which is why they were such a hard team to beat. And, um, you know, Jackson Blake obviously really ran the offense. You know, um, a couple of other players to mention, uh, Cade Ehrenholtz, who played for Lakeville South. That was the team that Eden Prairie beat in the final. You know, he's a big body, and I thought he had a pretty decent game. He's the type of player where he can do those kind of Rick Nash rushes where he goes down the wall and, and kind of swoops in. And he's really hard to stop based on his size right now uh, compared to other Minnesota high schoolers. I think he's sort of 6'1", 200 pounds already, somewhere in that range. So I thought he showed pretty well. It'd be interesting to see what scouts thought. Because uh, I know, you know, some of the scouts I've talked to, they, they wanted to see more from him than just his size. And, you know, he did play center. So, 
whether he's a center at the next level or a winger kind of remains to be seen, but I, I thought he looked pretty good in the final. And then in the semifinal, um, Maple Grove, uh, they had a couple of 2021 draft eligible players, uh, Kyle Kukonen, uh, who was really good this year, put up a ton of points. Uh, he's kind of a late round pick because he's not big and he's not fast, but he just finds a way to score. And he put up a ton of points. I think at one point he was, at like five points a game in the Minnesota high school league. And uh, so, you know, that's pretty good. And then Henry Nelson, who is a defenseman, I believe he's a Notre Dame commit. He's interesting. Uh, he's got some pretty good physical tools. I think he's, you know, he's definitely sort of a seventh rounder at best. Um, but, you know, an interesting player because he can obviously uh, sort of help you at both ends of the ice and uh, I, I thought he looked all right, um, but it'll be interesting to see how he kind of grades out in the end because there, there's certainly potential there. It's just a matter of, you know, do teams see enough potential? Yeah, but a lot of these guys aren't going to go high on the draft. Not a lot of them will get drafted, but there's still enough there that it's worth keeping an eye on. Now, speaking of prospects, I just want to say a, a long, a personal like I'm a personal fan of Merrick Smittens, the former Latvian goalie at the, well, he's still Latvian, but uh, the goalie for the under 18 team. He, he just signed his first pro contract with the baby devils in the AHL. So now they got two of my favorite goalies uh, being Jill Sen and Merrick Smittens. So uh, baby devils love you guys for, uh, for going out there and signing a guy like that. So anyways, we're going to talk about the NHL. We're done with the, the younger prospects. Let's go talk about the guys currently playing in the league. Um, at this point, Kirill Kaprizov, statistically looks like the guy who probably is going to go out there and win the Calder Trophy. But we've seen in this short season, we see a lot of guys come on rushes and kind of throw things around. So in your opinion, who is the next best pick for the Calder Trophy? Well, I would say my, my number two right now is Jason Robertson from Dallas. And I know that uh, you wrote about him the other day, Stephen. Um, I believe he's second in points right now to Kaprizov. So it's kind of an easy pick to make. But the growth in Robertson's game has been very impressive over the years because, you know, dating back to his junior days, he wasn't a great skater. You know, he did have that big body and he did have that great shot, but I think he's, he's really improved his mobility and that's why he's been able to contribute at the NHL level. And Dallas has certainly needed, you know, all the help they can get this year because it's, it's been just such a strange year for the stars. Uh, so I like, I like Jason Robertson. I'll, I'll toss a couple of other names out there. You know, Keandre Miller has been very impressive. Ty Smith with New Jersey. And then, you know, you look at goaltenders, you know, Igor Shesterkin has really come into his own. And then of course, Kevin Lankin in, in Chicago has been uh, very important for the Hawks, even though they've kind of fallen out of the race a bit now, but you think about how he held them down at the beginning of the year. And I think you have to at least sort of consider him on the ballot, even if it's not in, you know, one of the top slots. Yeah. This is one where there's, there's a lot of really good options here. Uh, I mentioned Jason Robertson. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always partial to the goalies and I really liked what Capo Kakinen was doing for a while. Um, I, Ilya Sorokin was kind of really throwing himself in there for a little bit. I think maybe mm -hmm. just not at the same level that we're seeing out of other goalies and uh, Lankanen, I think, whether or not he wins it, the Blackhawks just got to be like, well, we, we, we found a little bit of a gem here, a guy that uh, took a while to kind of really develop into what he's been doing, and he's looking good. So I don't think there's any, you can really argue with any of those cases, those picks. I think if right now, if you're picking the top three, in my opinion, it's, it's Kaprizov, Lincoln, and, and Robertson in that group. Um, it's a strong – yeah, there's not a lot of 
massive star power and we knew that this draft was or this this rookie class would be an interesting one um we're not we're not seeing like a huge head-to-head duel like we saw last year with mccarr and hughes we're seeing a lot of players though competing for it. and i think that's a lot of fun and if kalpersdorf in theory starts to struggle the rest of the season uh I think that it won't take much to really close the gap. So this is a good, a good one. Um, obviously, Keandre Miller is looking. Uh, I like what we're seeing out of him. Ty Smith has shown a lot. So this is a pretty strong uh, class in terms of depth. Maybe not a lot of, of superstar power, but still a good year no matter what. Uh, that's it for the topics. We got a couple of questions. Our first one comes from Dale Jansen, who asks, "Who has the most?" potential to be a hidden gem in this year's NHL draft. I'm going to go to Jack Barr on that one. It just seems like every time I've watched him play this year, he's the best player on the ice. It started over in the DCHL, went over to the uh, to the, the USHL, and it's just like he just moves the puck so well. Uh, he could run the power play. Um, and, and I know there'll be players that'll get criticized if their main offensive driver is based off of what they do in the power play. But it's just like he does it with such effectiveness that it's like, I, you can't ignore that. Uh, he's got a good shot, um, skates really well. Um, he's not necessarily like spectacular in any category, which doesn't help him, but I think that he's just good enough in enough areas that that makes him kind of a, an interesting uh, prospect. But who, who's your pick? Yeah, uh, I'm going with Sasha Teleguin from uh, the Chilliwack Chiefs in the BCHL. This is a player that is very intriguing, you know, played for Thayer Academy last year where Tony Monte is coaching. And this kid is, his dad uh, was uh, a skills coach and a, and a skating coach for the Boston Bruins back in the day, um, originally from Russia. And just watching the first couple of games of this season, Teleguin, um, he's fast and he has so much skill. Like you watch how many plays he creates and, you know, sometimes his, his line mates don't finish off those plays. So, we, you know, he probably could have a couple more points already, but he is putting the puck in all the right spots. And I'm, I'm very intrigued because I know there are a number of teams that are, are very hot on him right now. And uh, yeah, it's a name that I, you know, I hadn't heard much about until recently. And now I'm all in. All right. The next question comes from Queechi who asks, which this is a really good question, actually, which scouting systems can handle this year's draft challenges the best? Yeah, I like this question a lot. And I think there is sort of two different types of teams that will be able to thrive. One is the teams that have big scouting staffs. So I'm looking at Chicago and Toronto, for example, where, you know, things are, they've been more regional than ever, particularly in the first half when teams weren't traveling. Um, you know, at first there was no travel and then it was like, okay, drive, but don't stay overnight anywhere. And then, you know, slowly you got into, okay, you can stay overnight. Um, and then, okay, you can get on a plane now, but I think teams that have that big base of scouts uh, will have an advantage. And then the other group I would look at are teams that, have a very sort of what I would call a focused philosophy. And I would use the Tampa Bay Lightning as an example. Like the Tampa Bay Lightning have certain aspects of players that they really focus on. And, you know, we've seen like size is not one of them. You know, Tampa Bay will will take small players, they'll take big players, um, but they want players uh, with great hockey IQ. And so 
if you're the lightning, you can sort of drill down on those sort of core beliefs that you have and say, okay, that's the kid we want to key in on. There's a kid we want to key in on. And I, I think that will be helpful in what is kind of a, you know, a, a strange draft where, again, you know, some of these kids, you're going to get a very limited sample size. But if you've, you know, done your homework and, and seen them in past years, um, then you certainly have a leg up. Maybe more of a, a simple answer here it could also be the teams that are that that have a solid prospect base to choose from and enough picks this year where they can take a few risks. A team like a, a team like Montreal where they've got uh, five picks in the first three rounds. Well, if there's someone they really like but maybe aren't totally sold on, they can throw an extra third round pick or an extra second round pick on the guy. Uh, the Rangers have are another team that's good with that. They the most of their picks are in the third and fourth round, but they could they could really take a bit more of a risk if they need to. In LA, they've got one of the best prospect bases in the league and. The fact that they've got, again, five picks in the first three rounds, given how good their prospect group is now, that's exciting. So those teams like that could really, I think, take advantage of it and throw, not throw away picks, but they could throw a bit more resources around if they truly believe in a guy, uh, assuming like they haven't played much this year or what. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see how that works because this year's draft is going to be a big mystery in a year where it's not the strongest talent to begin with. Our final question comes from Kennedy Ryans. I just got to say, great name. And they actually start off saying, hey, Ryan, cool name, Ryan County. Which NHL teams could you see leveraging their prospect bases the most to make moves at the deadline? Yeah, great question from my reverse Latvian uh, doppelganger there. Um, you know, there's two teams in particular that I'm thinking of, and obviously I'm sticking with sort of contenders here because those are the ones that are going to have to move prospects. The first would be Colorado. And, you know, the Avs are already the best team in the league right now. And they've got some amazing young players just starting their pro careers like Bowen Byram. And then, you know, Alex Newhook just signed his first rookie deal with the Avs. So they don't need a lot of help. And they still have a lot of nice prospects that they've already sort of accrued. So, you know, if Colorado needed to make a big deal, they can dangle the likes of Connor Timmins, Sampo Ranta, you know, Drew Hellison, Sasha Mutala. I'm not saying they would want to part with these particular players, but if I'm another team, I'm saying, okay, if you're getting, you know, a top line guy or a top four defenseman from us, I want a really good prospect and you've got some to choose from. Give me one or two from this pool. Uh, similarly, I would look at Carolina and the hurricanes have done a very nice job developing players over the years. And, you know, the emergence of Jake Bean this year, I think is really great for them. There, that was a player that he was just kind of blocked for a couple of years, uh, but now they're getting some nice usage out of him. Um, but again, if Carolina thinks that they need one more piece from my team, I'm saying, okay, well, Morgan Geeky, you know, Stelio Mateos, Vasily Ponomarev, give me one or two of those guys for, you know, that top six player that I wanted, that top four defenseman or that, you know, goalie, whatever it happens to be, you know, I don't want to just take a, you know, uh, a draft pick. I want a pick and one of those guys who I think is pretty close to contributing at the NHL level, uh, either part-time or full-time or somebody that's already shown that they have that pro caliber skill set 
So, you know, those three guys that I mentioned are just kind of some of my personal faves, but Carolina, you know, they're rolling pretty deep now. And I think that can be a very big benefit for them when it comes to the trade deadline. All right. I like it. I like it. I'd also wanted to say William Eklund scored his first uh, SHL playoff goal today within the last half hour. So uh, cool to see that he'll be a top prospect to watch. All right. That's it for our discussions. We are going to finish off with an interview. Who are we talking to this week? We got Chase Stillman from the Sudbury Wolves, if the Sudbury Wolves are playing hockey, but Chase Stillman will be playing hockey at the World Under 18s for Canada. Uh, He is, of course, Corey Stillman's kid and Riley Stillman's brother. And here's the interview. I'm joined now by Chase Stillman of the Sudbury Wolves and of Team Canada uh, for the World Under 18s. So Chase, uh, welcome. And uh, just to start off with, uh, congratulations on the U18s. And do you remember getting that call? What was that call like? Yeah, no, it was, it was great. It was a really, it was a big relief um, knowing that the U18 team was coming out. Um, and then I got a, I got a call from my GM, uh, you know, a couple of weeks before in March. And it was like, uh, just so you know, like the U18 things coming up and, you know, they're like, hopefully you get selected on it. And so I was kind of like, ah, like, why'd you tell me that? And I'm not like, I don't, he didn't know for sure if I was going to be on it or not. So now it was just kind of drilled in my head that that's coming up. And then um, I got the call from Alan Miller uh, a couple of days before his relief or release. So it was a big relief. Um, you know, I'm just super happy to be a part of that team. Nice. Now we were talking early on the podcast that, I mean, this is a really stacked squad because obviously the OHL hasn't started playing yet and the WHL has released everyone. Um, how many of the kids from the OHL have you played with or, or are familiar with uh, from this Canada team? Yeah, I've played, well, I've played against now all of them that are on the team. Um, I'm pretty familiar with most of them. Uh, you know, like the, the Don Mills guys, Shane Wright, Othman, Clark, uh, and then uh, Mason McTavish, who I've played in tournaments since I was like 12 years old at that Vegas one. So it just seems like we get, uh, keep getting put on the same team. So I uh, played a lot with those guys. And, you know, this year um, when the season hasn't started, so and then all the OHL guys are allowed to play, I think we're in a really good squad and really looking forward to it. Excellent. Now, you went over to Denmark uh, to, to play some pro hockey. On the ice, let's start with the on ice. What was that experience like going over there? Yeah, it was definitely a little bit of adjustment. Um, I did play on an Olympic size rink in minor midget a little bit. It was more practice than what we played. But uh, when I first got over there, it was a it was an adjustment after playing in the OHL all season, and it's the regular size rink. So um, had to adjust a little bit more skating all the time. You know, lengthwise or sorry, widthwise. So I had a little bit more time and space with the puck and. Um, so it was different. The speed was fast. They move the puck all the time. It's like, there's not much carrying it. It was a lot of just more passing, like short passes. Um, and then I adjusted quickly and it wasn't as physical. So actually the first couple of games there, I think it was the second game. I blew up a guy open ice. Then I took a penalty and got kicked out for the third period. So it was a little less physical and the rules are a little different, but it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it was actually, it was pretty good hockey. Um, the guys were great, really welcoming and there's a little bit of adjustment too with that language barrier, but most of them spoke pretty good English. Well, that's good. And, and off the ice, I'm not sure how much you were able to sort of roam around because obviously the, the pandemic, but did, did you get a much sense of, of Denmark and the culture there? Yeah, for sure. So the coach has been actually picked me up uh, from the airport and, you know, dro- drove us around and showed us uh, uh, Esberg. And so 
the city and stuff. And it was actually really nice. So um, I'm actually not allowed to drive there. You have to be 18 to drive in Denmark. So, but it, it's a small city and you can get around everywhere. So I, you could ride your bike to the rink. So uh, a couple of the guys, we'd ride the, uh, our bikes in downtown and go shop and do whatever. So pretty much everything was open there. So it was nice that way, but obviously with the mask rule, but no, I was, I was able to kind of enjoy all of it and be shown a lot. So it was really fun. Cool. Was there any like Danish food or, or even like junk food that you really got into while you were there? Yeah, there was like, it was this, it was this place called kebab. So it's not like your stereotypical, like a kebab where it's like meat on a stick, whatever. It was like these, like almost like pita pit, but it was kebab. So I don't know what it was and they throw some sauces on it. And then I didn't know what to order. So this guy, my, I got my teammate to order pretty much everything in Dana. So I had no idea what I was going to eat, but it was really good. So that'd, that'd be the one food I took away is kebabs, but it was totally different than what I was expecting. Nice. Very good. Um, and back in North America, um, obviously uh, your dad, Corey Stillman, longtime NHLer and Stanley cup winner. And he was still playing when you were uh, a younger kid. Um, you know, we often hear about, uh, kids that sort of grew up around NHL dressing rooms and just the the experiences they got out of that that would sort of help them in their uh, careers later on. Um, what sort of memories do you have uh, from from being a kid of an NHLer? Yeah, um, my dad was actually really good at taking me and Riley both into the rink and uh, being able to watch practice and hang out with the guys after. Um, uh, the biggest thing I took away is the guys always thought I was hilarious because I was younger. I would just I'd always play on the gym equipment and swing around and goof around in there. So that's one thing when uh, I talk to the guys now, if I'm getting interviewed by NHL teams and stuff, they always bring that up if it's a team my dad played for. So uh, I have to tell them now that I take the gym a little bit more seriously and don't just swing on it. But yeah, just the, the biggest thing too, was just the practice side of things, like how fast everything was done. I just remember watching in practice, like it looked, I always thought it looked like harder than a game just based off the speed. So I kind of took away that early and how hard you have to practice and it makes makes the game a lot easier. So that was the biggest thing for me, definitely moving forward is just uh, the practice speed and always practice as hard as you play. Right on. And then, as you mentioned, your older brother, Riley, now in the NHL, uh, he's a pretty physical, you know, tough defenseman. Uh, you're the younger brother. What were games like at the Stillman house uh, when you were a kid? Yeah, they, they really did get heated. So growing up in Canada, we always had the outdoor rink in Peterborough. And um, it was it was really winner takes all. So I'd go out there and play against my dad. And I just remember playing against my dad when I was younger. He'd think like, yeah, like maybe let me score a couple. But when I was younger, man, like my dad would beat me 10 nothing, Like just all, all out all the time. And then he's like, why would I ever let you go easy? Then you're not going to get any better. So same with Riley. Then except me and Riley would get a little more physical. And so, cause I want to beat him, right? Like, I think it's my brother, I can beat him, but then he'd, he'd whoop me too. And then I'd start slashing him, and then just, it got really chippy. So it always usually used to end up with me crying, going home or going inside and complaining to my mom. And my mom's like, well, what do you want me to do? So eventually as we got older, like the, the game, the scores of the game became a little tighter and then, you know, helps on my dad kind of got a little out of shape. So I kind of took it away from him You know, I just <laughs> like the puck and make him a little more tired, but no, the games got really physical, especially when I was like, three of us on and it was like 1v1v1 so it got intense but it, I really did think it helped with development and those little skills but yeah it was a lot of fun and it was really trippy growing up. Very good very good and for those who haven't seen you play um, how would you describe your game like what will you bring to Team Canada? 
Um, I say the, the biggest thing is my compete level. Um, I bring a lot of energy. Uh, me and Riley are a little similar and different from my dad. Actually, we both, we both throw the weight around a lot. And, um, you know, I think we're pretty fun to watch with just the hits that we throw and, you know, the battling that we can, that we compete with. And then, you know, I kind of bring a little more skill side of it too, as being a forward. So I, you know, I think I have the ability to make players around me better and score goals. And my favorite thing in the world right now is to just give backdoor passes. Um, I love, yeah, I love setting guys up, but, and I'm, I think I'm starting to develop more of the ability to score. So um, yeah, just with Hockey Canada, I'm hoping I can bring that energy and that compete that I know they love. So um, I'll be able to get in hard on four checks and, you know, hopefully be able to blow people up and score goals, which will be nice. Right on. And what part of your game do you want to improve upon the most right now? Um, I'd have to say my skating. Um, I don't think it's a weakness at all, but I just, you know, you see the game now and, and how fast everything is. So you can never be too good of a skater. And I think, you know, the better the skater you are, the easier the game gets if you can think that speed. So um, I'd always like to improve my skating. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing moving forward that uh, everyone needs to work on is skating. So that's what I'd like to improve on for sure. Fair enough. And final question, if there was an NHL player that you'd like to model your game after, who would it be? Um, if I'd like to model it after someone, I'd say McDavid, but I think I play more like uh, an old school, like a Jerome McGinley. Um, you know, he's that big power forward that can score goals and, and throw the weight around. And I, I like the way he played. And he always had that leadership role too, that he, um, that he came with him. So uh, I really liked his play. We were both right-handed shooters, but if I had to say now, like a more modern type, I would say like a Matthew Kachuk, um, you know, with that, that grit and that you know, the ability to score and that skill level. Um, I do think I'm a little bit better skater than Matthew, just, uh, but he's probably a lot tougher than I am right now, but I'd say we kind of play similar. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for doing this, Riley, and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast. Make sure to check out THN.com slash subscribe to have issues of the Hockey News Magazine sent directly to your mailbox. And send your questions for future podcast episodes to at THN Ryan Kennedy on Twitter.